Beanbag Studios presents Nine Stories Up, short-form narrative podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Piermont. That we all have so much of. But the other, the other reason that I've been delayed was I've had a little side project. Oh, tell, do tell. Do yeah, tell. That, that little side, uh, side episode, private label that I've, that I've been all making, right. what, that I made. Tell. So do you remember my friend Dustin, who when I went to college with, big guy? Played football yeah, with me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a good friend I'm of sure Red's. I saw him a a photo of him and be like, "Oh yeah, like the name is yeah. like hazily." Familiar. I mean, he's been. I have memories of him at your Duran Duran coach yeah, house. Yeah, you know. I, I mean, he was. A, he's he's okay. been to your. Like, you know he's him. Like he's been six yeah. foot five, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think big I know who, big I think square corn fed yeah. dude, right? Yeah. So, about three months ago, his wife posted something on Facebook that that she had to rush him to the hospital um because his fever was flaring up like crazy because their family had gotten exposed to COVID-19 so he you know he got rushed to the hospital and and they start looking at him and then she has a post that he's like you got to get down here this is serious this is serious you can't you got to come down here and and we have to figure this out and you, you know, then coming down there. No, no, his wife, his wife, me personally. Okay. No, I'm just, I'm just kind of relaying you the, yeah, the okay, sort of okay. chronology of the Facebook yeah. posts. And so I got the idea at one point it got to where it looked like he was starting to ascend from it, you know? And so I was like, what if we got together and we had a big Zoom and we recorded it and I made him like a personal podcast That's cool. right? to like to help him get get motivated and get through it. Right. So that's what I've kind of been working on the past three weeks or whatever, like the time that I would normally dedicate toward doing a nine stories yeah. up episode or working on it or talking to you or whatever. I've been working on this. It's pretty amazing. Um, is it going to be a nine stories yeah. up or is it just a personal podcast? Well, well, no, it's a personal podcast. It's pri- it's like private, it's like a private label, private, private batch, right? Private got it, got it, got like it. like you know, Jack Daniels cask in the back that's just his, you know. Certain people have access. So in that obvious confusion of trying to relay this story to Vabs, I wondered if the story of making this private label podcast could actually make for a nine stories up episode. I decided to present several of these posts I was telling Vabs about in an abridged chronology leading up to when my friends and I got together to make that private label episode. These posts were written by Brenna Cassidy, whose husband Dustin became my friend 25 years ago when he joined my football team at Lake Forest College as a member of our first big recruiting class under a new head coach. In order to make the reading of these posts more authentic for the listener, I've recruited a female voice to read them. As always on Nine Stories Up, you'll hear my comments in between the posts, as well as reflections on Dustin. I recorded from our mutual friends, as I attempted to make a personalized podcast for him. We begin the journey with a post from Brenna, just before Dustin's infection, a post that's eerily similar 
to most of what we see every day when we log into Facebook. March 20th, one of our children lacked keys in his car in our driveway. Any recommendations for who to call for help to get them out in Mackinac? Even before he got sick with COVID, Dustin Cassidy would have fit the mold of a typical nine stories up subject in that he is a person from my past who has done far greater things than I could have ever imagined for myself. Dustin studied computer science at Lake Forest and went on to found multiple startups that he subsequently sold, one of which is still run by a good friend of his and a success to this day. To get them out in Mackinac, April 10th. Here's the update for the day. Dustin tested positive for COVID and has battled a 104 temperature for several days. It went respiratory late Thursday night. By Wednesday, by yesterday, he wasn't even able to speak to me and could barely catch his breath. By last night, he was turning blue every time he got up to walk around, which was often because he couldn't get comfortable. I took him to the ER at 1 a.m. and they quickly realized based on his low pulse ox, they had to move fast. April 10th proved to be an eventful day in my spring 2021 as I broke my foot playing basketball for the first time in 10 years after my wife had sent me out that morning with specific instruction of no injuries as we argued about whether to get what I was calling an ankle sprain looked at and whether it might cause me to miss work. I asked her if she'd seen Brenna's post. April 12th. Today has been eventful. I talked to the nurse around 10.15 this morning. All levels were still the same and the chest x-rays had not changed. Still had a lot of fluid on his lungs and they have talked about draining a little of it to provide some relief but hadn't pulled the trigger yet. I hung up the phone and about 10 minutes later, a hospital number rang on my phone. I answered it and it was Dustin who should not have been calling me. And he said, you have to come now. I told him I would be there right away, but thought it was odd, so I called the nurse back. I found out they brought the power of attorney into his room and explained why they would need a signature. He got scared and called me. I was given an emergency visitation, so I went up there and was able to talk on a phone looking through the window with him. He kept saying to me, Brenna, this is really serious. You have to take this serious. I reassured him that I was and that I, he needed to fight hard and not worry about us. His oxygen levels went from 90 to 70 in 20 seconds, so we were done. We waved goodbye to each other. Venting him is not out of the question, but they will continue to monitor him and make the decision if it needs to be made. My kids are really struggling. It is hard to be doing school during this time. We will wake up to start a new start tomorrow. Keep those prayers coming. We feel them. Dustin and Brenna were some of my first friends to get married after college and had two sons pretty quickly thereafter. Figuring that they had the family they envisioned as high school sweethearts in Morton, Illinois, Dustin made the typical arrangements many husbands do to tie things down, if you will. While on a mission trip to Haiti several years later, Dustin was transformed from being a good Christian to a person that makes Christ the locus from which all other of life's decisions stem. This newfound focus included a calling to expand their family by adopting three more children over the past few years, giving them two additional younger sons and a youngest daughter. April 13th. Ugh, it has been a difficult day. I have cried a lot. My kids have cried a lot. 
Dustin had a hard night last night and into this morning. They had to turn his oxygen level up to 100% through the night, and he wasn't able to handle the nasal tube at all. So he had been on BiPAP that whole time. I got a call around 2.30 this afternoon from the doctor asking for permission to put him on a ventilator and that they needed to move fast. He said I could talk to Dustin before, so I did. I begged him to fight, and he asked me what that looked like. This was the best decision, but it really has made me realize how sick he truly is because I know they are trying to avoid this. Dustin played defensive end on our college team, which was fitting given his size and strength, but someone unexpected given his instinct to protect. I always felt like he might have been on the wrong line. Our offensive linemen had far more aggressive personalities than Dustin. Nevertheless, we flooded Facebook with supportive posts using all kinds of football analogies to describe what Dustin was going to do to COVID. April 15th. I have talked to a nurse a couple of times today. The best way to put it right now is that Dustin is in a critical but stable condition. His levels all around are not great, but they did not worsen today. He is on his back most of the day and gets flipped to his stomach around four for the rest of the evening and night. I have had more than one medical professional say to me, sedating him and keeping him sedated is like trying to sedate an elephant. We are tired and weary. It has been hard juggling being a teacher to my e-learning kids, a caretaker to my sick kids and husband, a mom and wife, a work and working both Dustin's and my desk over the last two weeks. I am thankful my mom and sister have been here to help teach the kids the last two days. In addition to expanding his family, Dustin's Christian refocus also illuminated for him that he was in the wrong line of business. I mean this not in the sense of core competency, as Dustin would have been the first to remind us that his talent and experience is being an IT professional, not a seminarian. That said, the New Testament lays out that the church meet people where they are. And in this day and age, that is on their phones. The seminarian can't survive in the 2020s without the technologist. April 17th. I am missing my best friend like crazy tonight. I love him so much it hurts right now. I was told by a nurse today that I need to prepare myself for the long haul, weeks if not months of him being in the state. That is so hard to imagine and frankly, how do I do that? April 17th was a Saturday. I remember half limping around on my still twisted ankle at a gathering of the house of the guy I happened to be guarding when I injured it. I sought out the person in our friend group I knew to be actively Christian and quietly asked her to pray for Dustin. I also asked my pastors to include Dustin in our formal church's prayer circles and concern lists, as well as requesting the same of my stepmother, who is a Presbyterian minister in Ohio. I've grown up in the Presbyterian church, and compared to the general population, I might be considered pretty religious. But compared to what I learn about being Christian in Sunday school, I will likely always have a ways to go. While I have prayed all my life for people, I have never asked for prayer of others for others. I'm not sure if it is a sense of unworthiness on my part, an illusion of strength, or just the fact that I worship in a state of tension between questions and answers. I didn't even do this when my aunt was hospitalized with COVID. Though I definitely prayed for her, I figured the rest of my family in Georgia, who are far more Christ-centric in their decision-making than I, had the outreach portion of that effort covered. 
and even at age 80 while suffering a stroke in the process, she was never in the dire straits Dustin found himself. April 19th. While the kids went back to school today and I was able to leave my kitchen table desk to go into the office and work. School was so good for all of them. We were all happy to be out of the house. Dustin's iron levels have improved since he was first admitted, which has a correlation to his oxygen levels improving. Today, they were able to knock the ventilator down to 50% for most of the day, and we were really hoping to be at 40% tomorrow. I will find out tomorrow afternoon if I am able to go up and visit on Wednesday. I just want to hold his hand and be there to cheer him on. The, the first time I ever met him, I was on my visit to Lake Forest College to see if I wanted to go there. We got roped in some guy in admissions used to go to our high school. So we went there, go to a Cubs game for free. We we're like, sweet, this sounds fun. And when we get to the game and some guy was trying to buy a beer, some, you know, one of us, you know, high school kids, and he gets busted by security. And what turned out to be typical Dustin fashion, he just walks up to the security guard. Hey, man, come on, come on man. Like this. It, and they go and they have this little private conversation as they're about to haul some 18 year old kid off to cubby jail. And the next thing you know, we come back and the kid takes his beer and he sets it in the cup holder next to him, which is Dustin's. And he go, and Dustin goes, yep, that's my beer. And the security guard goes, I'm going to watch you guys. And that is like the thing I remember the most about him in those four years or three years that I spent there. If you were with that guy, it was like, he, he deflected everything. Like everything that ever came on you, it was, it was always like that. And uh, it was just, it was, it was bizarre that he could, he could talk his way out of anything. April 20th, I was able to go visit my husband tonight and hold his hand. It was harder than I thought it would be. He is so sick and not improving like the medical staff believes he should be. I prayed with him. I talked to him and I kissed his forehead. I also found myself asking how in the world did we get here? Please, please continue to storm the gates of heaven for us. By this time, the text chain I referenced in episode one between me and my friends from college had fully abandoned its locker room humor and 90s movie meme pissing contests to become a near constant Cassidy family vigil. Guys would post Brenna's post for the guys who don't look at Facebook. I suppose we all knew that the COVID roulette wheel would eventually land on one of our numbers. But I don't think any of us in our hearts believed it was actually possible, let alone that it would have been number 51. April 22nd. Well, dear friends, we had some progress today. They have turned down all sedation meds and two of them they are hoping to be done with tonight and tomorrow morning. With that, he opened his eyes a few times today. He was able to move fingers and toes on command. They turned down one of the vent levels to make him begin breathing more on his own and less on the machine. He is still at 40% oxygen level through the machine. They started decreasing his PEEP level this morning and got him down from 16 to 14. And it needs to be between eight and 10 in less than 12 hours. He has tolerated all of this. Kason had soccer practice tonight for the first time since we all got sick and it was a fail. He just couldn't be there. He broke down at dinner tonight and just wants his daddy home. Please cover him in prayers. Well, he's, you know, I always, I always knew him and met him as a very generous person. I mean, he is, he's a, he's a giant, but he's got a huge heart and pearly whites 
you know, he's, he's, he was a good dude, man. Um, um, we always gave each other shit between soccer and football. And, you know, anytime I ever saw him, man, smiley face, loved him. We always had a really, really good relationship. Uh, never gotten fights, man. Just a genuine person. April 23rd. I can't wait to post this until tonight. So I will update all of you from the overnight nurse's perspective. Eek. He had another good night. He is off both sedation meds, just on an anxiety med and pain meds. He handled the machine at the level they turned it down to yesterday all night long. I will update again tonight when I get home. Hopeful to be able to look into Dustin's eyes tonight. On April 23rd, I finally have my twisted ankle x-rayed as a formality during a regular checkup, and it revealed a fracture of the fifth metatarsal. I was suddenly plunged into uncertainty as to whether I could or should be trying to treat patients and what how my employer would react to finding out that I'd suffered yet another sports injury that could pull me away from the clinic and whether my wife was finally done with my childish need to play with my friends, putting her family's well-being in jeopardy. April 27th, frustrated. Dustin is definitely taking 10 giant steps back right now. The doctor told me today that his CT scan from yesterday showed that the lungs looked worse than the last scan he had had. All the people I had asked to pray for Dustin dutifully got back to me, reporting the ways they had prayed for Dustin and would continue to do so. I can see how in this age of Facebook and TikTok, one might consider this some form of spiritual bragging, but their communication to me was private. I interpreted their intention as though I might be relieved or otherwise helped to know that what I had asked for had actually happened. While it did make me feel better, and I appreciate the efficacy of this prayer circle feedback loop, I'm not even sure I thanked them because I felt like if I did, I would be obligated to tell them that I wasn't sure any of it was working. April 28th, devastated. Both the doctor and the nurse told me today that Dustin is the worst he has been since he was admitted two and a half weeks ago. They can't go up anymore on any of his current meds, which is a lot, and he is at 100% oxygen and 16 PEEP. He was still fighting this morning, which caused his blood pressure to go into the 200s. They decided to put him on a paralytic med, which basically paralyzes the body so he can't do anything and he won't try to breathe on his own. He just plain needs to be calm and he is not. They are trying everything. Doc said he wouldn't give up on him and told me all I could do was pray right now. This goes without saying, so of course I'm gonna say it once. I can't imagine what it was like to be Brenna at this moment and hear this from a doctor. As a concerned party a thousand miles away, I found what it meant for my friend absolutely frightening. But I find that what it means for everything quite poignant, especially with all the blabber during COVID about believing in science, trusting in God or whatever we used to hear. Here you have a Christ-centric family who fully accept that God is working to heal them by the knowledge of God's universe acquired by these practitioners through generations of researchers learning about this creation by following a self-double-checking research method we call science. And yet, when those same professionals have exhausted what they know 
and what they can do, they unhesitatingly tell Brenna to pray. April 29th, please keep those prayers coming. This man I love so much is a fighter. With the help of paralysis and forcing him to lay on his stomach, he has made some tiny improvements over the last 18 hours. The oxygen level coming from the machine is back down to 50% and they were able to turn his peep down to 14. When the bigs got home tonight, today, I shared all of this with them and they both looked at me and said, but mom, we have been here before, so we can't get excited. We are all trying to guard our hearts closely. I did not go to the hospital this morning because I thought he would still be on the paralytic. My plan is to go tomorrow afternoon and Saturday and Sunday. This post made me sad and proud, proud that Dustin had raised the type of sons who would not only share their parents with three strangers, but start to naturally assume the role of emotional rock for their mother. It made me sad that they were being forced to activate this instinct. April 30th, I told a client on the phone today that I felt like a giddy high school girl waiting to go on a date with her boyfriend tonight, except I am not in high school anymore. And my date was to Dustin's hospital room tonight. The week went by fast, but five days of not seeing him is too long. So, was, I, realize, I realize this podcast is, you know, focuses on cast, but um, just a note, like what Brenna is probably going through and then still like having her mind on cast and then the five kids and still updating all of us, you know, on a daily and not just like, Hey, he's okay. Like he's getting better. He's not getting worse. Like, I mean, the kind of the detail, like I can't even imagine what she's going through. Um, the fact just, that she is still able like to how much express, emotion she's putting into this, the fact that she's able to still truly express gratitude and truly yeah, feel yes. gratitude. It's, it's just remarkable. I mean, she's remarkable. She's remarkable. Like I was, I think I was sharing, I think I was sharing my posts with Amy and Amy was like, I I don't know how she gets it together to even put together an update every night. And the thing is like, if you look at it, she put an update together every single day. I think like uh, there were a couple days where I think he was like doing, you know, there was no real change, but she literally every single day, she condenses it for everybody. It's, it's and I'm like, like she's a, like she's a bureau reporter. You know what I mean? I, like she's filing yeah. to the Associated Press every is every it, night with this. Guys, is is the term catharsis? You know, you you yeah, comfort well, in re restate it. You find comfort in restating your day and and just re um, uh, re explaining and and trying to condense what you did. Uh, yeah. Is that is it is that the right word? However, um, she's processing it's extremely generous. Um, is yes. That, yeah. Well, that's you know what on that right right there, Jason. It's um, you know, there was another. She had another post where she was starting to go through the GoFundMe and um, with her mom and and talk about uh, uh talk about uh how she's gonna get thank you notes out to everybody. Like, yeah. Why would you even? Yeah, don't even. I know. Do, it does, no, I don't. I don't want a card. I want you to think about your kids and your family and your and and, and your husband and our friend. May fourth, praise the Lord. Twenty-one days of being intubated. Twenty-one days. I did not think we would get here. I am sitting by Dustin's side, listening to him breathe through his new trach. Every single person that comes in this room is so excited to have him in the spot of the journey. 
They all have been nothing but positive and we are actually talking road to recovery now. Eek! There is, this is nothing but a miracle. Thank you, Jesus. With nerds around the world celebrating Star Wars Day, I figured it was time to gather our own Jedi Council, if you will, because with Dustin starting to improve, this was our time to step into the into the void because we're the people with the ability to fire Dustin up and make him laugh. My plan was to make a personalized Nine Stories Up episode for him that was full of reflections on him and the impact he's had on us and funny stories from the college days or whatever, but something to get him pumped up. You know, I just pictured him pulling on one of those stupid resistance bands or blowing into that little air pipe thing you get after surgery to prove that your lungs are good enough to leave while you're recovering. Something in his earbuds while all that was going on. May 8th, senior prom night for Colton and Aaron. They clean up very nice. Proud of them. Great kids who have bright futures. I think so many of you covered on, on like the one thing that I took away from it and the, the follow-up to that, I think it kind of sussed that out here too. But, you know, he, he was like this human shield uh which we all know we could all do a lot of stupid things out there and and at some point he intervened to do something on your behalf and and to him that was all very natural but but i think that what i just kind of remember the like not events but the mundane walking down a path with him walking down the stairs towards the chapter room and talking and you know here was this big hulk of a guy who had nothing but just the nicest like smile and hey how are you and it was always so genuine and may 9th my specific prayer request right now is that dustin's rising temperature breaks soon some of the cultures have come back but not all they think they are dealing with an upper respiratory infection now but are not quite sure Two antibiotics were added to the daily med schedule today to try and fight whatever is going on inside of him. We'll know more once all of the other test results come back. He was off the vent for an hour and a half this morning and did well until the very end and had just worn himself out. Grandma Bobby Monroe is home with the kids today. Not the best Mother's Day for her, but I am so grateful for all of her love and support she has given us during this time. Happy Mother's Day to all. In addition to her unflinching gratitude through this process, I marveled in Brenna's commitment to everyday norms and milestones, even in the face of this wild tumult. I suppose it's some sort of subconscious strategy humans use to convince ourselves that the situation may have knocked us off course, but it hasn't beaten us yet. While I noted her acknowledging graduation and Mother's Day, I missed the part in that post. Dustin now had a bacterial infection in his lungs. Everything in these posts was starting to blend together, and he was getting better. May 13th. Today was a day of rest for Dustin. When I talked to the doctor tonight, Dustin's temp had come down from 99.8 this morning to 98.7 by 4 this afternoon. So many prayers being answered. See? Getting better. Every day. May 14th. Eyes. I see his eyes. I got up here mid-afternoon and he has been mostly awake this whole time. He is still very loopy and out of it, but he can find me and even has given me a few smiles. Watching ESPN now. And with that post from Brenna, 
I scheduled a bunch of Zoom calls with my friends. We got together on a Friday night. I only have a personal account with Zoom, but somehow their algorithm knew that this one was important. They let me put nine people on the call and we blew through the 40 minute time limit, staying on for about four hours. The evening was revelrous. We told stories, we teased each other, we watched a few middle-aged men get progressively less sober as the night wore on. What I accredit that to is that the guy had some ethos to him and yeah. that he, he earned my I want to speak in present tense, fellas. Just, just say Oh, it. sorry, sorry. I agree. Pants and He's got, he has ethos. The, the first person I met at Lake Forest College was Dustin Cassidy. He was my roommate my freshman year. I meet Dustin. I meet his parents. Oh, hi, guys. Nice to meet you. Um, you know, the, the whole the whole roommate thing. And the first thing that goes up is a it's like a, it looks like his it looks like his childhood blanket. It's like a football quarterback on a field and it goes over his bottom bunk. And that's the last time I see his bed for eight months. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it was fastened with nails or thumbtacks or other any other sort of adhesive, but that's all I saw of that bed. And sometimes I would poke a stick in there to see if he was in there. Cass, come on, we gotta go. And a lot of times he wasn't there, but sometimes he was. <laughs> that's a great story i don't i don't know the story sometimes he wasn't but, but sometimes he was. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> by the time we hit midnight on the east coast i have more than enough content to wade through in making the intended creation and when i did so the next morning i didn't think we even need to have sessions on that saturday especially since I had now lived the conversation twice, played the whole thing passive-aggressive, and went over to an impromptu cookout as a friend's house, figuring no one would bring up the Saturday sessions. Around 7 p.m., I got a text from a friend who hadn't been on the Friday call asking if we were doing it that night. I told him I didn't think we needed to, but I would do it for Hinton because he's moving overseas for work this summer and I never get to see him, blah, 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 blah. He texted me about five minutes later saying, did you see that post from Brenna? Wow, today has been hard. I got a call with from the nurse this morning saying that Dustin's white blood cell count skyrocketed overnight and they wanted my verbal consent to do a CT scan with iodine in his body to see if they could look deeper into the infection Dustin is fighting. I gave consent. I got a call back from the doctor at three with results. Dustin has abscesses growing in his lungs likely caused from bacteria from the vent. His lungs are just not able to begin healing. Doctor said they are waiting for a couple of cultures to come back, but that his next step is to consult with a couple of the doctors, other doctors, and he would like to move Dustin to Northwestern with the probability of doing a lung transplant. His lungs will not get better in their current condition. And short of a miracle, this is the next thing that likely has to happen if he is going to get better. I was not at all prepared to hear this today. It overwhelms me, but I know the doctors are all over his case and will only recommend what is best for him. We need prayers for clear direction and that if this is supposed to happen quickly, God opens those doors. I texted my friend back immediately that Zoom call is on, to which he replied, 
good choice. I strapped up my walking boot, grabbed my driving sneaker, and apologized to my new friends for leaving. But you can't make old friends. And I had promised to be there for them this weekend. I drove the mile of neighborhood streets home with subdued motions and frenetic emotions. A lung transplant? What in the world? I guess the virus had weakened Dustin's lungs to the point where this infection, which he probably would have beaten back without a cough in the past, could now bring them to the edge of failure. There are certain names in every region that signify for people there in one word that things just got real. In Minnesota, that was Mayo. Where I live now, it is Duke. In Illinois, it has always been Northwestern. I mean, you heard Brenna in that post. Her choices were either Northwestern or a miracle. The friend who had alerted me to Brenna's text was among a few guys that hadn't been on the call the night before. And they basically carried the energy, probably just a function of that initial Zoom call reunion adrenaline. But there were five of us who were holdovers from the night before, which surprised me. And we were mostly speechless. And unlike the night before, we were all sobered. It was interesting that we felt compelled to be there, even though we didn't have much to say. What was there to say? The only experience we have with organ transplantation comes from watching Grey's Anatomy, or ER. And that was even if Northwestern accepted Dustin as a patient. What if they didn't? And my whole idea of a personal pump-up podcast? Maybe it was fear. Maybe it was exhaustion. But it felt like one of those moments in life when you just feel exposed for either allowing yourself to believe or not realizing the full extent of just what you'd gotten yourself into. You know, you get you get a good post and you're like, fuck yeah, let's do this. You turn in the corner and then, you know, 24 hours later, it's, you know, a devastating blow, so to speak, right? Where it just takes the wind right out of you. And um, it just sucks. Like... The guy is such a great, he is a, such a great guy, right? Father of five, man of faith, good brother to us all. And not that, you know, not that you wish obviously COVID on anybody, right? But how the fuck does, does it be, you know, a man like that or a person like that, a human like that? You know, we made, it wasn't until the second a- ER trip that they finally admitted me um, days, two, three days before they finally admitted me. Like I knew I was sick. I knew that I finally took my temperature for the first time after being sick for a week. And really it came at the hand of um, at what point is Brenna going to let me go to the ER? And I'm a suck it up buttercup kind of girl. So she's a rub dirt <laughs> on it, which is fine. But she made a comment. She's like, well, unless you have a 104 degree temperature, they're not going to do anything for you. And I'm like, well, I know for a fact that I have a 104 degree temperature. So I went and got the thermometer for the first time, stuck it in. Sure enough, I'm like 104.2. And I'm like, honey, like, let's go to the ER. She's like, fine. So we went to the ER. Um, nothing happened. They're just like, go home and, you know, fight this thing out at home. 
Well, then what is it? Two days later, mm-hmm. two days later, you know, I started to, to, to get the respiratory issues, coughing. Um, and so finally it wasn't even me because I was going to suck it up buttercup. Um, she's like, I'm taking you to the ER right now because you're blue. Okay. So the last two voices you just heard, if you're still listening to this, weren't from the recorded zoom calls that I had with my friends, the female voice you may recognize because she's been reading Brenna Cassidy's Facebook post for you. And it happens to be Brenna Cassidy. That's right. Amidst all this craziness, she was willing to indulge my desire to use her story for my silly hobby podcast. Though part of me thought I should check her temperature. Even at my most humbled, though, I don't look a gift horse in the mouth. and figured I was getting a master class from her in how to experience, cherish, and lead with gratitude. The male voice you just heard, as you might have put together, is Dustin Cassidy. I know. What in the central Illinois cornfield is going on? I mean, did Dustin get into Northwestern? Well, of course not. Because everyone knows that a guy who goes to Lake Forest couldn't get into Northwestern. So, if the choice is between the second best school on Sheridan Road saving your life, or a miracle, a forester has no choice but the miracle. We continue this story with Brenna's post from May 18th. May 18th. Remember that emotional roller coaster we are on? It's not slowing down. However, day, today has been a high. The nurse returned my morning call just before noon and I asked how Dustin was doing. She said she had a fantastic report to give. She said that PTOT had just left Dustin's room from working him out. He had lifted his arms and legs for them. He tried to pull himself up to a sitting position, but needed help. They were able to sit him up in bed for a little while, and he did well. She also said that he mouthed to her that he wanted his family. I was floored and told her I would be up later in the afternoon. When I got here, he mouthed, hi, babe, and responded with, I love you. My kids got to FaceTime with their dad, and he was able to mouth, hi, buddy, to each of the boys, and hi, princess, to Chloe. This put a huge smile on his face. I can tell he is frustrated and mad and sad inside. I told him I would be here fighting right alongside of him and would be his biggest cheerleader. He just now asked for food and he was mad when the nurse told him no. Guys, this boy is hungry. He is off all sedation meds. We are doing pain management meds and two antibiotics with Tylenol. He did spike a little fever tonight. He is moving his legs and arms around. He is also really focused on ESPN right now. I did tell him he earned himself a helicopter ride to Champaign and he wasn't happy. Plan is to still focus on getting him to Northwestern as quick as we can. His white blood cell count came down a little more to 23,500 today. He is doing so much better breathing on his own and slowing his respiratory rate down by taking deeper, longer breaths now that he is awake. Overall, he has had a great day and we are celebrating because only God knows what tomorrow will bring. Really, I remember, I remember being admitted, um, but quickly, um, you know, they kind of sedated me. <clears throat> that was a Friday. So I really don't remember anything from Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Um, and then Monday, did they, I don't know if they sedated me those days or not. No, but it you just, were I was heavy, on such a, yeah, medicine, such me, you know, heavy medicine that I don't really remember those days in the hospital. And then um, that Monday, um, it must have woken me up or something because uh, basically all I remember is the doctor coming in and saying, hey, 
uh, we need you to sign a power of attorney. And- um, For medical. For medical. For and I, yeah. I, I literally flipped out. Like I flipped out and I'm like, I'm not signing anything until my wife gets here. <laughs> and so, no, they wanted me to sign it over to Brenna, but like Brenna's not here. I couldn't, like, they couldn't, they wouldn't let me in. So in my, like in my world, like I'm thinking I'm going to die because they're asking me to sign a power of attorney over my wife right now. Like I'm like, they obviously think I'm going to die and she's going to make decisions for me. And so I flip out. And I call her and I'm like, you got to get here right now. So and, he, she, and he wasn't supposed to call. <laughs> so she comes, I sign the power of attorney. Um, and then the next thing I remember is waking up two months later in Champaign. Um, I don't remember anything at all from that point. Um, now, the reality, like my reality of those two months of being sedated and five weeks on the vent is that, you know, they had me on like six or seven different painkillers. I mean, I'm on fentanyl and codeine and morphine and oxy, and they got me maxed out on all this stuff. And so call it a dream, call it a hallucination, but I was on a trip. Okay. Like vivid. So I can give you play by play details of everything that my brain made up during that time. And so what happened is I was in Las Vegas. Okay. And so, so we went on three trips in my dream. Okay. Now keep in mind that when I woke up, this is so real to me. Like it's real. I mean, like when I woke up, I was like, like those trips happened. Like I really thought they happened. And so one, the, our first trip to Vegas was just Brenna and I, and uh, we went and, you know, had a good time in Vegas, little <laughs> couples getaway. Um, the second trip, back, we went back to Vegas, but we took the whole family. Uh, we took Brenna's mom with us. Um, Carson, our sophomore, played in a football tournament. Um, our little boys played in a soccer tournament. Um, and so... I, I mean, I remember all the details of these of these dreams or hallucinations, whatever you want to call them. And then the third one was uh, we all went to Puerto Rico, and um, I met I met like my father's long lost cousin who uh, has a kid that plays baseball, and he wants me to coach his baseball his son's baseball team in Puerto Rico, and so. We had like this mini family reunion type thing in, in Puerto Rico. Um, and then kind of the, you know, the towards the end, <coughs> um, somehow they got on a different flight from Puerto Rico um, than I was on. I was on a separate flight and I was on a little puddle jumper and um, my, my plane crashed. Okay. And so um, this is where stuff that happened in the real um, mashed and became um, intertwined with my dream and with my hallucinational state. So, um, so my plane crashes and I am uh, struggling to get out of my seat in my dream. And I've got this woman with me and she's, she's like my handler and uh, in my dream. And her responsibility is to make sure that I stay in my seat 
and that I get to where we're going. And in reality, in the real, um, those were my nurses. My nurse's responsibility was to keep me in my bed, keep me sedated, keep me from fighting because I fought, you know, in reality, I fought the entire time while I was on the vet. May 24th, where do I begin? I walked into Dustin's room tonight and he told me he was waiting for me. I said, well, here I am. He then said, I want food. I said, babe, you can't eat. He then said, yes, I can, and hit his nurse call button. Lo and behold, the nurse walked in with a bowl of pudding and some thicker apple juice. Dustin just ate for the first time in seven weeks. I cried some happy tears. I was not expecting this. And so, um, you know, so I'm fighting in my dream. I'm fighting and I'm fighting. I'm trying to get out of my seat. I'm trying to, to get out of this plane um, because it's, you know, it's not like, like we crashed into water. It's like, you know, people are still alive. It's not like the, the, the plane's on fire. And so I'm, I'm like, well, if I get out of this plane, then I can find a way back to my wife and my family. And so I'm fighting and I'm fighting and I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not getting out of my seat. I'm just exhausted. I'm, I'm so, I'm so tired. I'm tired of fighting. Um, I'm physically tired. I'm emotionally tired. I'm, I'm spiritually, you know, tired. And, and I remember, um, you know, getting a point of exhaustion where, I'm debating, do I continue to fight? I got to continue to fight over here or I just got to give up and, and give it over to God and say, God, I'm done. And, and, and you know, my next option is fight. My options are fight or, or die. And, and I remember recounting all the things in my dream. I, I remember recounting all the things I'm going to miss um, if I die. And, you know, I remember going through them like I'm going, I love my wife so much and that I'm going to miss her and, uh, and my kids. And, and I remember thinking in my dream, God, why did you allow me to adopt three more kids if, if, if this is it, like if I'm dying now? And so I continue to fight. I continue to recant all the things that I'm going to miss if I die. And I just got to a point where I was so tired, I couldn't do anything else. And so I went to God and I said, God, I'm done. I fought the fight. I'm exhausted. Um, take me home. And literally right at that moment, I'm no longer on the plane in my dream. I'm, I'm, I'm in, this, I'm in this, this just very bright place. And I am in this, this long line with with thousands of other people. Um, and I look at myself, I look around at the other people. I don't look, I don't look like myself, but I look like everybody else. And we're just walking in this line. And, and I remember uh, feeling someone touch my shoulder. And at that moment, I hear God say to me, Dustin, you're in the wrong line. And I turn around and I said, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for saving my life. And at that moment, I, I physically in the real woke up for the first time. And um, I literally turned to Brenna and I couldn't talk because I had a trach and I, just, I couldn't get words out. But I mouthed to her, um, you know, where am I? 
and what happened to me because I had no idea, you know, what had happened to me because when I woke up, everything I had experienced in my dream, I really thought that happened. And so I thought we had just, you know, come back from Puerto Rico. <laughs> May 29th, Colton Cassidy. Wow, I can't believe you graduated today. Seems so surreal and yet very real. We pulled you out of a high school where all of your friends were at, at since grade school and moved you across country your freshman year. You did it with a smile and never complained. In the real, you know, Brenna would be really close to me and she would be saying things to me like, I love you, I will never leave you. And there were at least three or four times that I remember in my dream where, totally crazy, right? But like my handler is really close to me and she turns into Brenna, Brenna's face and she's saying, I love you, I will never leave you. And so that's how my brain on all these drugs translated because I could hear Brenna, I could feel her in the real, but I wasn't there, right? I was still in my dream. And so my handler would, would like, you know, transform into Brenna's face. And I remember in my dream, like not trusting Brenna, like, because I was like, but you weren't Brenna, but now you are Brenna, but I love you. But like, it doesn't make sense. But I kept seeing Brenna, her face through my handler. Um, and so that was just, you know, that's just another example of things happening in the real that my brain was, 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 was making its own cross reality. Medical professionals. One thing that they kept telling me was, we're so glad that you guys are going through this now. Because one thing that they had seen all along was that until, you know, they changed protocol and fam one family member was allowed to be there these patients were not necessarily dying because of COVID, but depression, mental state, all, you know, and you hear stories about that. And I'm like, okay, I get it. But until you're really in it, do you truly understand that they need this? Mm -hmm. They need this. This is so important that these patients have somebody by their, and I was not there 24 seven. I, I couldn't be, mm -hmm. you know, with everything else going on, but just the fact that the 50% the of the time that I could be there mattered that much. June 15th, we are home, elated to say the least. All five kids were home and to welcome Dustin home and boy, were they happy. Chloe came out of her room this morning and said, mom, it is the best day ever because dad is coming home. Yes. Yes, it is, princess. You know, I, um, I, I will say this. I'll say that, you know, I've kind of told that story to, to a lot of different people. And, you know, um, some people will want to be like, okay, what was heaven like? Like, you were in heaven. Like, what was it like? And I'm like, you know, that's not really the point. Yeah. Um, because the reality is this, like, this is my brain's interpretation on drugs of whatever God wanted to get across to me at that time. But here's the point. The point is that that God that God healed me. I mean, miraculously healed me. Yeah. That there are doctors in Champagne that have no medical explanation of why I'm breathing right now with these lungs, and the way in which I was my lungs were healed. They they, they don't have an explanation other than you're you're good, and <laughs> and my explanation is. 
what God is showing off in a miracle in, in a mighty way. And he does that in a way that, that, that you can only point to him. And so, you know, that's, that's the point. That's the point. Not, not what heaven looks like, but that, you know, God chose to heal, heal me. June 20th. Happy Father's Day as an understatement this year. We have seen a miracle happen before our eyes, and we are so thankful to be celebrating another holiday with this man we love so much. I didn't ask to share Dustin and Brennan's story to litigate a case about the pandemic, because those have all been done, and no one will be convinced of anything they don't want to be at this point. Even in the face of a doctor-declared miracle, I still find myself with questions rather than answers when it comes to faith. I'm just so grateful right now. Grateful Dustin is alive. Grateful I've made friendships that have spanned decades and can be activated at a moment's notice like the Avengers or something. Grateful that the only response required of my wife to my health crisis of the spring was simply to roll her eyes. I know there have been thousands of others who got the same prayer activation we gave Dustin, who were just as worthy as Dustin. And they weren't pulled out of that line. I know there were people who were too tired in that line and didn't have a voice like Brenda's pulling them back. I don't know why or what it all means. And if litigating the pandemic is above the pay grade, of a dentist slash amateur podcaster, you can bet I'm not going to wax authoritative on matters of cosmic significance. I do, however, know that if you had to put your money on someone to make the most of being pulled out of that line, the horse-wearing number 51 is your surest bet. Nine Stories Up is written and produced by me, Hunter Piermont, in association with Beanbag Studios in Holly Springs, North Carolina. Our co-host is Brian Fabulous. Jack Aguirre does our cover art. You can find his portfolio on Instagram at cult underscore NYC. Our theme music is short stories by the great Harry Chapin. Licensing graciously provided by Warner Chapel Music. If you have a story to tell, you can reach out to us at Nine Stories Up on the major social media platforms, or you can email us at Nine Stories Up at gmail.com. Special thanks goes out to the anonymous voices who made up the Zoom call for Dustin Cassidy. They know who they are, they know what they mean. And of course, I want to thank Dustin and Brenna Cassidy. I'm blown away that you took part in this. And to the extent that anybody could be equipped for something like this, you guys definitely are. And as we talked to record this, I made light of the fact that I certainly wouldn't be. You probably spent time there, Brenna, where you were sitting there praying, where you were just sitting with him, where you would speak. Whereas if you spoke the whole time, he'd probably be like, 
Oh no, Jesus, I'm in the right line. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> no, it's so true. She would be she would be sitting there like What's the account number for the life? Pacific life. Blink once. Morse code. Morse code.